What is up, everybody? Welcome back to your favorite boxing show, your favorite boxing podcast, the Tomatoito Boxing Show. And uh, let's let's jump right in because we got another action-packed, great, great back-and-forth fight in the books. This fight took place yesterday morning, and uh, for some reason, you know what? I haven't looked into why... Japan keeps doing these big mega events or these big headlining events on Monday nights or Tuesday mornings for us, maybe Tuesday evenings for them. Uh, it it disrupts my entire day. We just went through this with uh, Naoya Inoue and, uh, and then New Year's Eve, we ended up waking up and now here we are again. Uh, another big event that took place yesterday morning between uh, Kenshiro Taraji and and Carlos Canizales, and both titles were on the line. Uh, the light flyweight titles, WBA, WBC, of course, Taraji is the one bringing the titles to the affair, and it was another action-packed back-and-forth fight where you just, momentum swung so many times, and, and you're, the fighters were swinging for the fences to where at one point or another, you thought the fight was going to end. Several times throughout the fight, you thought the fight was going to end. And each fighter, respectively, seemed like they had the upper hand and were about to close the show and just didn't. It ended up going all the way. It was an amazing back-and-forth fight, which excites me and is also making me a little bit nervous because we are still in the first month, in the opening month of this calendar year, and we've already had so many great fights that we've talked about. It's making me, it's exciting because we're off to an amazing start, but it's making me a little bit nervous, almost as if we're starting to see the best of of the year and already so many potential fight of the year candidates so early on this year, and I hope the rest of the year is not dull uh, and, and that we've seen the best of it. I hope this is just a sign for things to come uh, later in 2024. Man, Taraji Canizales, it was a fight that seemed like it was being brought to an end around the second round. Taraji was going to have too much for him, and Canizales just kept coming and coming and coming back for more, and neither fighter was refusing to lose. Neither fighter was willing to to go out uh, with the loss yesterday morning or at least yesterday evening for them neither refused to to take the L and they were gonna fight and uh, and go out on their shield if they had to and that's what we got I mean on average we had Canizales with an average of 80 punches per round where Taraji was throwing approximately 77 punches per round according to compu compu stats um overall Canizales out out through uh Taraji 272 to 243 111 to 60 as far as jabs but the the body of work and the way that Taraji closed out the fight seemed to have made the difference he started fast and he closed the show he ends up dropping Ganisales uh in the second round with uh with the right hand he ends up getting hit Taraji gets hit with a left hand down center, gets hit flush, but was already swinging himself and caught Canizales on the top of his left forehead on the temple, drops him. He wobbled Canizales to where Canizales, as he's wobbling, he ends up going lunging forward 
taking Taraji's legs out and they both end up on the ground trying to sell it that he wasn't that he was uh that it was more of a slip rather than being hurt but he still got the the eight count he answered the call came right back finished the round and by round three he returns the favor and catches Taraji towards the end of the third round with a right punch with a right hand punch right on the button the referee immediately comes in Taraji's glove touches the ground and he as they find themselves against the ropes or Taraji's back against the ropes the referee comes in and Canizales still snuck another punch in and it was exciting because I I was hoping that that wasn't going to be a point deduction because he was just mid mid swinging already he was just in the flow so it wasn't like he did it deliberately but he threw Two punches in succession, the knockdown punch and the follow-up. And uh, and so he returns the favor. He goes down in the second, returns the favor to Taraji, dropping him in the third. And from there, the fourth round seemed like Taraji was starting to get the upper hand. As we close the fourth round, Canizales just threw punches and bunches and tried to bring the fight to an end, nearly stopping or at least what it seemed that it was a great onslaught and great assault by on behalf of Canizales to where it seemed like he was getting close to stopping Taraji now. Taraji wobbles to the corner and from there the story and the momentum switched and favored Taraji. Taraji took control of the fight, began to box a little bit more than exchange and started getting the upper hand. Started countering well, um, started started landing a lot cleaner and catching Canizales off beat. He basically walked away with round five, six, seven, and maybe around round eight, round nine. Around those rounds, we started seeing Canizales get a second win and start swinging momentum into his favor. And he started getting the upper hand Leading into the championship rounds, Canizales was putting on some really good work and Taraji ended up closing the 12th round and it seems like that's what gave it to him. Uh, Right away, we had some comments, of course, in social media that it was a robbery. A lot of people thought Canizales got it. This was no robbery whatsoever. Um, Nothing like what we saw with uh, Meyer Jonas where I didn't want to call it a robbery. It was a matter of judges there was a lot of uh misconstrued commentary there or at least commentary that i didn't find very um very um appealing i guess and you could go back and check out the the last episode that i put out of meyer and jonas because of the way that the commentators were basically favoring and everybody saw Mayer win but jonas ended up walking away with a two-round swing uh this one was as tight as you could get and and you got to give it to the judges because there was a lot of rounds that were so tight to score. But it's, I'm okay with it. And I think the majority of the world, the boxing world, was okay with Taraji walking away with this and, and retaining his titles. He did enough. And he did box a lot better rather than just lunging forward and, and looking to swing momentum in his favor like Canizales did. But what Canizales was doing was just the amount of pressure that he put on Taraji was what was working for him. And so, of course, you can't, you can't just forget about that. You cannot not acknowledge it. You got to acknowledge the amount of work and the amount of pressure that Canizales did. And that's why he was so successful in this fight. And that's why the fight was so fun to watch. But I think the judges got it right. I know it's in Japan. And 
I just don't see that this was home cooking. If you look at the at the scorecards, two judges had it 114-112, and one judge had it a draw, 113-113. The titles would not have changed hands if this would have been a draw. But Taraji squeaked out the victory with that 114-112. Just think about it. Those judges would have had it the other way, any of those rounds that they would have had the other way for Canizales, and it would have been a draw. This would have been a majority draw on all three scorecards. But these two judges ended up giving Taraji one round more than they did to Canizales, and it could have very well been the first, or it could have very well been the 12th, because those were the most obvious that where Taraji started fast and closed out well. So no robbery here, good decision, very hard decision at that. And you got to give it up to the judges because I think they got it right. I I, I know they got it right. I, I feel that they got this one uh, right as hard as it was. Taraji deserves to to retain those titles. And for Canizales, man, I mean, I would have I loved for, for him to have won. Uh, but man, Taraji deserves it. They both left it all out there and it was one of those... Great, great fights that you gotta etch on your on your board as a fight of the year candidate. And I know that by the time we hit the end of this year, this is gonna be one of those fights that we won't even remember, especially if we end up having a year similar to what we witnessed or experienced last year, where there were so many good fights that were scheduled. And so far it's looking that way. It's looking like there's some really, really good fights in the near future. So this may be one that we may be forgetting about. So write it down. And if you didn't get to watch it, watch it. I suggest you watch it. It's going to be a fun one and you're going to enjoy it and you're going to thank me for that. Great, great fight. I... It throws off my days. It completely destroys my days when uh, when they have these early fights. But, man, it's, it's a great feeling. You watch boxing completely different depending on your time zone. For me, it's super early. So it was like a five in the morning show once again. And it's super early. So you appreciate boxing and the, match, the matches themselves a, a little bit different than in an evening fight. When you're, when you're in evening or primetime uh, type showing where you have friends and family around or your whole day's behind you and you just want to sit and relax and watch a fight. This one, when you wake up first thing in the morning and you're already, you're, your heart rate's going, your brain's going, you're thinking quick because you're trying to see how it's going and trying to analyze it, score it, what have you, and just enjoy it for that matter. And you're still half asleep and it's a completely different feeling. So if you haven't woken up or sacrificed yourself to wake up to one of these cards uh, early enough and you're a huge boxing fan, you owe it to yourself. Try it out. Try it out. You could lose a little sleep and then nap later in the day. And if you can't disrupt your your day, well, hey, guess what? That's what streaming's for, right? You get to watch the replay at your own convenience. But this one, I suggest you definitely watch it. So Taraji, Kenshiro Taraji retains his titles. Who are the other champions? Who are the other champions of light flyweight? We got Adrian Curiel, Adrian Curiel, Mexican fighter. He's got the IBF title. And he's scheduled to fight and defend his title. He's at 24-4-1 with five knockouts. So not the heaviest puncher. 
But Adrian Curiel is a fun fighter to watch. He's he's running it back against uh, Sivanati Nozinga. Uh, he ended up knocking out Nozinga uh, November, this past November. And it was a two-round affair where he knocked him out in the second round. Uh, now they're going to run it back. He gave Nozinga the first loss of his career. And here they are. They're scheduled to fight mid-February. And uh, and they're going to run that run that fight back. Uh, so he's putting his title on the line again. Uh, that's Adrián Curiel. Who's the other fighters that we got? Uh, we got Bomba González. Jonathan Bomba González has uh, the other title. He's got the WBO title. And Jonathan González, he's going to be active as well. He's going to be active at the beginning of March against René Santiago, who is... Somewhat of a highly ranked fighter. I was looking into René Santiago. I'm not too familiar with him. But he's ranked, I think, in the world around 17 or at least in the top 20. So it should be a decent challenge for Bomba Gonzalez. But it's going to be a fan-friendly type affair as he is taking part. This is going to be a Puerto Rico uh, card. And and it's going to be the coming out party for for, for Puerto Rico and the, and the, and the Boricua fighters. Uh, he's taking part of the undercard. He's going to be part of the undercard of Amanda Serrano, Nina Menke, uh main event that's taking place there. Supposedly, Jake Paul is also going to be fighting on that card, and it's going to be uh, the main event, of course, Amanda Serrano, in which she's going to once again fight uh, championship rounds, uh, male format, 12 rounds, three minute per rounds, uh, three minute rounds. 12-round championship format. Why did I make that so so hard? So, Bomba Gonzalez is going to be part of the undercard. Jake Paul's supposed to be part of that card. And uh, and, and Javon Walton, who's an up-and-coming fighter, uh, brand new brand new fighter to, to that, that Puerto Rico's introducing. So, he should be an up-and-coming star. That's going to be a big, big deal for Amanda Serrano headlining a big, big event broadcasted by The Zone. In in her homeland of uh, in her home island of um, of Puerto Rico, surrounded by by her friends, her family, her loved ones, and she is definitely one of the more decorated, if not the most decorated, boxer to come out of Puerto Rico. Boxer, nothing to do with female boxer or male boxer. She's definitely the most decorated, I believe, uh, boxer to come out of Puerto Rico. Uh, definitely not the most famous yet. As a female, she is definitely the most famous fighter to come out of Puerto Rico. But of course, Tito Trinidad still takes takes the banner, takes the flag of, uh, of popularity uh, when it comes to Puerto Rico and, and Puerto Rican fighters. So, Bomba Gonzalez, WBO champ in the same division. He's going to be active against René Santiago in March. And for Taraji, we'll see, we'll see what's, what's next for him. Because this was a hell of a fight. He's probably going to take a few months off. And then we'll see who he ends up getting into. Maybe, uh, maybe a unification down the line with one of these guys. But, man, what an amazing fight that we had today. On the, the co-main event... If we look at the co-main event, there's a new champion. And the co-main event was headlined by Artem Delakian and Sego Akui. Sego Akui had two losses leading into this. Junto Nakatani defeated him, stopped him in six rounds back in 2017. Jay Siver Absede 
in 2018 stopped him in the eighth round. In the eighth and final round, there was an eight-round fight, and he was stopped in the last round. From there, he's been on a six-fight win streak. Yesterday evening, that's a seven-fight win streak that he's currently on. Six-fight win streak leading into this fight, and he was fighting the champion, the WBA flyweight champion, Artem Delakian. This fight went all 12 rounds. Akuya is your traditional workhorse Japanese fighter. Quick hands, good counterpuncher, delivers his punch output in quick succession, decent footwork. And it was somewhat of a tailor-made fight for him or somewhat of an easy fight for him because Artem Delakian has one of those awkward styles. You've heard me talk about him before. He has a really awkward style where he's he he doesn't remind me of a boxer whether orthodox or unorthodox he reminds me of someone who practices the sport of fencing he's a point scorer by one punch at a time wide feet side profile gloves down completely exposed Brings up his guard at random. Very odd style to fight. But for a traditional boxer, it's not that difficult to land your punches. Akui got hit quite a bit, but not as much as Delakian. Now, you knew that this was going to happen to Artem Delakian. He's fought four times. This is the fourth time he's fought in five years. And you've heard me talk about him before. Especially when we were talking about Baron Rodriguez and Sonny Edwards. Because this is the same division. He was the other champion. Bam Rodriguez beating Sonny Edwards. He unified the division. With Julio Cesar Martinez. Ray Martinez being the WBC champ. At flyweight. Bam Rodriguez holds two titles still. WBO and IBF. Until he decides or secures the fight with Gallo Estrada, if that is the route that he's going, then most likely he's going to vacate these two titles. But he hasn't yet, as far as I know. So he holds two, and Akui is now the WBA champ. Artem Delakian was the other piece at that time when that fight happened. And that's when I was breaking down Delakian's style. He's got a weird fencing style mixed in with a little bit of Nassim Hamed, which must have been his favorite fighter. And... A blend of Sergio Martinez. With the twitchy gloves down. Wide stance. Right hand comes up from the bottom up. Or from the center top. At random. No method. No art. No no strategy. At least if that is the strategy. It, it throws me off. And I'm sure it throws everybody off. Watching a style. It's a very twitchy quick-footed type of approach, but I, 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 I have had trouble knowing what to make of his style. And the fact that he was the longest reigning champion in this division was not due to his talent because he continued to etch out decisions I'm not saying he's not talented. 
because he made it to be a world champion. But he, this is definitely not what was keeping him. His style is definitely not what was keeping him, that he was such a puzzle to figure out. He is just the fighters that he, it was great matchmaking on his behalf, and he was active once a year. He was usually fighting at this time of year. January, do his mandatory and continue. Take off the entire year. This is the fourth time he was active in five years. So it was bound to happen. The inactivity, he's getting older. He was bound to run into someone who was going to have his number, who was more active, and who was going to be a pure traditional boxer or a fast-handed boxer like Akui is and and get, get his number. And Akui had his number from round one. He was out punching him, out landing him, making easy work of it. Yes, he got hit. And Delakian lands because of the awkward style and the in and out style. Um, another fighter that he reminds me of that's active today, who's also a champion uh, at 126, uh, Venado Lopez. Very awkward style, random footwork, um, unorthodox as hell. When you talk about an orthodox style, that's like unorthodox, borderline, odd. But it's been working for Venado because they haven't figured him out yet. And, and nonetheless, he does get hit, but he possesses punching power. And he catches people off beat, off rhythm, non-traditional. That's what's been working for him. And that's what was working for Delakian with lesser opposition. And Akui ended up getting his number today and uh, and just figured him out. In quick succession, within the first couple rounds, the Akui figured out, settled into his strategy, and the fight didn't really change. It wasn't really a back and forth. It was one fighter bringing the fight to the other, and the other looking, Delakian, looking to, to just counter and circle the ring. He was on his bicycle the majority of the fight. It, and it wasn't a bad fight. It was entertaining because you want... You were hoping that either Okui would secure uh, and close in and, and go for the close, close the show, or that Delakian was going to land one of those lucky upper uppercuts or overhand, overhand rights that he was throwing. He throws that sneaky left uppercut, and when he retrieves, he leaves his face completely open. And that's where I was hoping. I know in the last episode where I was talking about with uh, during the BAM and Sunny, I don't know if it was a preview or the recap. I said that either one of those two fighters, if Delakian was successful today, that either one of those two fighters, especially Sunny Edwards, to get a title uh, back around his waist, this would be the fight to make. It would be a big payday for Delakian, and Sunny Edwards could definitely lift this title from him uh, because he could catch him on on the left side as he continues to leave that left side completely exposed. Delakian does. And Sonny Edwards, it's, he's got decent boxing. And we saw it. He's got a lot of heart. And uh, and he's got, not decent, he's got really good boxing. He just ran into a power puncher who also possesses a high pedigree of boxing, a high-level pedigree boxing uh, style that is Bam Rodriguez. And so he met his match. He was outmatched, outpunched, outpowered, outstrengthened by Bam. Not to be, not to a detriment of Sonny Edwards. It happens. He's going to bounce back and he's going to continue on his winning ways. 
He's just not the heaviest of punchers. He's a great boxer. Doesn't possess a lot of pop, Sonny Edwards. But he would be boxing circles around an Artem Delakia. Now, Sego Akui, this is going to be a lot more of a funner fight because we've seen Sonny Edwards fight out in Asia numerous times, fight Asian fighters before. So he's fought and knows that style of the fast hands, quick footwork very well. And he could adapt to it very well. This would be a fun fight for him. And it would be a fun fight for us to be able to see Akui and uh, and Sonny get that fight on. Maybe Sonny gets his wish and finally gets Ray Martinez. Who knows? But that's... Sego Akui joins that company now. Ray Mar- uh, Julio Cesar Ray Martinez. Ray's his nickname. So I always call him Ray Martinez. But Julio Cesar Martinez... Uh, and Bam Rodriguez are the company of Akui now as the as the champions, as the ones that hold all the belts or hold the belts at flyweight. So that's his opposition that he's going to be looking forward to. Um, great evening of fights. At least those two main co- main events, the co-main event and the main events, the ones that I that I ended up catching. And uh, man, I'm happy for Sego Akui who who now joins the ranks of Bam. And Julio Cesar Martinez and bigger paydays, bigger days for him in boxing. Very solid boxer. Very solid, um, very professional workhorse type of boxer. And possesses the Japanese style. Mid-range type style, stance, fast hands, decent footwork. Fast delivery, good at output and countering. Not great, but good. And it's working for him. Great, you got to give it to Inoue, the monster who's perfected that style. Because he possesses a lot of power, apparently. And every time we see him, he's just landing with bad intentions. Other than that, everybody else that possesses a similar style, and we see it, right? Filipino fighters, uh, from a lot of Filipino fighters, maybe in the last 10, 15 years to today, have that mix of Manny Pacquiao with, they have that traditional Asian style fighter with Manny Pacquiao, which is the punches and bunches, leaving their face exposed, uh, Maxayo, right? That's a perfect example. Heavy punches and 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 adopted that wave style of in and out fighting that Manny Pacquiao uh, made so popular and uh, and made it signature a signature style of his. So there we go, new champion, new champion at flyweight, and a unified champion who retains his titles in the main event. At light flyweight. And uh, and of course, we'll see what's going on with Taraji in the near future. Hopefully he's active and we'll see him against Curiel or, or maybe Bomba Gonzalez down the line. Hopefully around summer. So, fun stuff. A lot of fun stuff uh, going on. And I can't wait for this weekend because it's a big Mungia writer. So, I'll be putting another episode here in the next couple days um, as a preview to that fight. And uh, and then, of course, the recap and so forth. But here we go. Another fun fight. 
and another one for the books. Taraji, successful. Akui, successful. New champion joining the flyweight division. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. Have yourselves a great night. Love you all.